1: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective.
0: All righty. Well, we just had our whole catch up sesh. We so do. I don't want to be inauthentic and ask you how you're doing because I already know how you're doing. But yeah. for the listener's sake, Madigan, What's up?
1: What's up? Um, oh, I was saying I like in this moment in time, I'm actually feeling a bit better. I spent some time with um, my boyfriend and his sister who I love dearly. And so that was really nice. But it's been like, the stress level in my house the last few days, I'm sure you feel the same way has just been very, very high. How have you been feeling? Uh well, um, (laughs) I know it's a loaded question, but I mean, I'm doing okay.
0: Like, yesterday, our time, so we're recording this on Thursday. Mm -hmm. So yesterday on Wednesday is when we got the news about Breonna Taylor. Right. And I don't know, it's such a strange, it's such a strange thing. Like, I, I, I cried today. Like, I was sad today. Right. Well,
1: I was going to was gonna say, you know, we texted pretty much right away. And I kind of said right away, like, I, I started, like, getting a very, very physical, like, anxious reaction. Almost like I was going to get a panic attack. Like, my heart started racing. Um, and honestly, it was the same reaction that I had last week when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away at the end of the week. It was this feeling of, like, my fight or flight senses kicking in. And, like, I didn't really understand why and a feeling of a lot of devastation. And, and you and I were talking about it. And I just, like, remember telling this to you and being like, I, I don't, like, I'm, I am can't, like, function right now. And you were just like, I feel nothing. I don't feel – I mean, and I didn't that was feel so, anything. Like- and that was just so poignant to me because, like, it makes, it makes so much sense to just be at a point where – What do you feel? What could you feel that would make a difference right now? It's almost like your emotions don't are like protecting you, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, and also
0: when it comes to things like this, as much as I posted about like arrest the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor, like all of that stuff, as much as I talked about it, which I did a lot, like that was kind of my singular focus for a long time. You right. know, as much as I, I talked about those things, I knew like I knew from the beginning that none of this was going to happen. You know, nothing real was going to happen because the the people who are like advocating for like incremental change or they want things to happen slowly over time. We need to give it time. We need to be patient. This is why that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Like unless there's structural change from the top. We're not going to see real advancements because everything that's in place is to protect the systems of power. Like, that's just the way that it is. Right. So I I would have been very surprised had he actually been, you know, convicted or indicted on Same. like murder charges. Right.
1: It was an interesting thing because... You know, we've we've discussed this a few times, you know, knowing that this date was approaching and that there would be a decision from the grand jury. And neither of us, I think, expressed any sort of hope, really. Like, you know, no. there was kind of like, yeah, you know, it could possibly in some The respect. only thing that
0: made me think possibly maybe something would happen is because of all the outcry. And right. I think the only reason we saw what we did see is because of the constant pressure that was put on them. But right. it goes to show you that, like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you had Brianna Taylor is like, a trending hashtag. She's on the cover of Vogue. There's a Hulu documentary. Like, she's right. everywhere. But, like, everyone is wearing jerseys that say her name on it. You've got people playing tennis that have her name on their mask.
1: And it doesn't matter. But what's so frustrating is that the thing that I... I I think the thing that's making me kind of get to that place where you initially felt with this, where it's just kind of like I feel nothing, I don't know what to feel, is because there is this notion that you really can't do anything about it because people have already made up their minds. Like there was somebody on our Instagram page that commented for the last time she wasn't fucking murdered. And there are people out there that genuinely believe it. And Keegan and I got in an argument on my Facebook page with somebody that was a Facebook friend of mine yesterday. That's what's frustrating to me is that even when given facts on multiple sources, if you are only reading one person or one idea's Information you are not getting the full picture, so they are not going to see it the same way that we do, and that is what is infuriating. the The propaganda machine has been working overtime for the last like
0: what four or five, this six whole, years or so. Well, and so I,
1: and I gotta say, during this pandemic, more than ever, I have felt the pressure of. Uh, like the media and the news, because we don't, we're not interacting with each other as much. And there is something with, you know, these people trapped in their homes, only consuming Fox News and Tucker Carlson and all of these, you know, YouTubers and crazy ideas of what actually happened with Breonna Taylor, that there has become this strong divide, where this woman's death has become like, Well, this is
0: the thing that people were concerned about. This is what people were concerned about whenever Donald Trump started his entire fake news narrative. Yeah. Right? This is what scared the shit out of people is that things like this were going to happen. Like, nothing is true. I actually saw a thing today where this woman on my friend's post, my friend had posted something about when this, we're not even going to touch on this today, although what the fuck um donald trump saying out loud multiple times now that like he is not willing to agree to a peaceful transition of power and you know this person this friend of mine posted this and it was from cnn and this woman got on there and she wrote this long like unhinged diatribe about how how can you trust cnn or msnbc i get all of my news from ben shapiro and she was proud of this You know what I mean? And so, because you're being, you're a sheep, you're being brainwashed, like all of these things. And it's scary. This is what people feared whenever Trump started going after journalists and after the media because, yes, of course, does the media exaggerate things? Have they lied in the past? Like, yes, they have. But we have to have some kind of agreed upon truth. We have to understand that there are facts that exist or else anybody can say anything and you just adhere to that. It's
1: really interesting because so... I'm. I'm not going to go off topic, although I could. But I've been really fascinated by the Nexium cult lately. Watching the documentary, I'm now reading a memoir from one of the women who, like, was the whistleblower, and like, I've just kind of gotten to this like deep dive into this cult. And one of the big things that they did in that cult was that they had a whole section of their like quote unquote company that like dissected media and would break it down. And so this guy that was a former member explained it this way, and I and I think that this is kind of what the Trump administration is doing. Where you would get a headline like a man rapes a woman because this particular cult leader, there would be articles written about him with these things. And these people would be able to look at it and break it down. They're like, "Okay, well, what is the like emotional language being used in this headline or in this article? And if you take away all the emotion from it, what's left is instead of, you know, a man rapes a woman is a man and a woman were together and something happened to the woman. You know, it takes away all of the emotion from it. And there is something really fascinating about this idea of fake news where it's having people question the very basis of our morals and what we've thought is right. And it truly is like a brainwashing technique. It's scary. It's
0: incredibly scary. I know a lot of people have recommended to me that I watch The Social Dilemma.
1: It's on my list of things to
0: watch. I don't want to watch I'm, it. I'm going to watch it. I i I've come to the conclusion that I think it's important that I do watch it. it sounds but like I was a beer just your
1: tactic to me. It doesn't sound and it's from But wh-
0: it's true. Yeah. Like that that stuff is true. I mean it's absolutely true. Like just from the anecdotal evidence that I have of the way that people use and behave on social media, it is an addiction, well, and yes. it was designed to be that way. Oh, like totally. it is designed. Like I, I heard that one of the creators, um, one of the people who like cr- made Facebook addictive, had to create an algorithm for himself to stop using it. That's how addictive it is. But okay, anyway, we're kind of off topic. Yeah. Sorry. So I kind of want to. Oh, you're fine. So I want to touch on what we're talking about here in more detail. Yes. I mean. Most likely, the people who listen to our podcast are already familiar with this situation. But as we know, it was about six months ago that Brianna Taylor was fatally shot by police in her Kentucky apartment. And yesterday, Wednesday... A grand jury delivered a long-awaited answer to whether or not the officers would be punished. So they did charge one of the officers, Brett Hankinson, with three counts of wanton endangerment for firing shots that went into another home with people inside. Yeah, The jurors didn't actually indict any uh, of the officers on charges related directly
1: to Taylor's death. And in fact, the other two officers, I don't believe, had any charges whatsoever. No. And um, did you see the email that... And I just told Keegan before we started, I didn't realize that I had taken notes on one of T's old notebooks and left it at work. So I don't have this long quote written down. But did you read the email that one of the other officers sent all the colleagues? Yes, like I did. Before? Yeah, I did. It's mm-hmm. incredibly upsetting. At 2 a.m. Fucking unhinged. Yeah. yeah completely so, uh, unhinged.
0: Can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Mattingly. It's Mattingly. Yeah, he's the one who got shot. And he wrote an email the day before the grand jury verdict was coming through, basically saying, like, we didn't do anything wrong. I believe that everything that we did was moral and right. Yeah. Which, to say that you were following orders or whatever is one thing. To say that what you did is moral uh, and ethical, which are the words that he used, is another thing. That's a stretch.
1: Because, like, I feel like if he were to express you know you don't have to admit guilt per se to to still express um that you feel that you were you know following orders the fact that he is saying that what he did was not wrong i feel like is a very strong message to all of his colleagues
0: to go beyond that he's not saying like it wasn't wrong he's saying it was morally and ethically right right yeah which is which is something different you know it's it's wild to me it's it's wild to me, yeah. but the jury relied um, in the the grand jury they relied mostly on evidence presented or almost entirely on evidence presented by the Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron so that might be an indicator as to why they came to the conclusion that they came to because you have Daniel Cameron who's the person who's introducing this evidence right and Cameron has said that the, the other two officers were justified in firing their weapons because Taylor's boyfriend Kenneth Walker had fired a shot at them. So this is the person, I'm sorry I just have a really hard time believing that this man is presenting the evidence in an unbiased way. Defina, I don't he, think that he is. He
1: is too much at stake. That is uh, that's something that I hadn't heard and that's something that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you, for any sort of like evidence reason, like if you're taking in any sort of like, I guess, scientific data, why would you only take your information from one source? That makes absolutely no sense I mean, to me. Why wouldn't you want your own... I guess investigation and multiple stories and see a full picture in order to make a concise decision about people's lives. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, like,
0: I don't know how grand juries work. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that this is just the way that it works. Right. But to me, I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense why they came to the conclusion they came to. So uh, Kenneth Walker, um, because this is a common argument, this is what the person who was on your page was arguing, that, that, you know, well, what were the cops supposed to do? He shot at them. Well, he says, and frankly, I believe him, that he, because they had a no-knock warrant, and the police are sitting here saying, no, we knocked and announced ourselves. Then why did you have a no-knock warrant in the first place? Like, if you weren't going to use it,
1: that's such a weird thing for you to come in in the middle of the night with a no-knock warrant. Yeah, I read a weird thing in an article today that was from like months ago, like shortly after it happened. And it says something around that where it said like it's the, the cops saw that it was a no knock warrant and we're like, oh, well, maybe we should still knock anyways and not. Yeah, bullshit. Sorry, don't believe you. I don't believe you. Well, and then I read that like they were sitting in bed and that the pounding on the door went on for like quite a while and they obviously didn't know who was coming to the door. Like if I was in my my room and my my door is closed when I sleep, my bedroom door, so if I hear someone pounding on my door out there, I'm not going to immediately go run out there and answer the door. Well, and I would be terrified. Like honestly,
0: like we live in... 2020 people don't just randomly unannounced come and knock on your door at two in the morning it's very strange yeah so anyway he says they did not announce themselves they came into his house he's scared which makes sense to me once again and so he is a registered gun
1: owner which where the fuck is the nra that is my big question i'm like shouldn't we be like having all the stand your ground people like Showering, no, him with because affection. that only applies to white people, yeah, it that's only true. applies to white people. Clearly, clearly, they will find
0: a way to make it your fault. Philando Castile was a registered gun owner yep. who disclosed the fact that I was he had say, a weapon in his car. He
1: even said he did the right thing and said, Look, I have a weapon, I'm not reaching for it, and they didn't
0: care, right? Didn't matter. So, uh, Kenneth Walker shot a warning shot at the officers. The one of the officers, Mattingly, I believe, was shot in the leg. And after that, Hankinson uh, and Miles Cosgrove returned fire and they shot 32 gunshots into these into this apartment. Yeah. Even if you think, okay, like, let's go. Let's go with it. Even if you think that, like, them shooting back was self-defense, like protecting themselves 32
1: gunshots is overkill yeah it's way too much so on that same article and i i was on i was on t's computer so i don't even know what it was i'll have to look it up tomorrow so i can put it in our sources but i was looking through the crime scene photos which i hadn't seen of just all of the different bullets the fact that they were in cereal boxes pots and pans walls chairs well, the fact frames, that Brianna like, Taylor was shot six times. Well, but there's this idea of like where when you're thinking of this shootout, like there's bullets flying. It is a war zone. So to me, when I was seeing those photos of them literally like bullet holes all over her apartment, it seemed to me almost like this was like it looked like a battle of war. It was just it was so many holes in so many different places. Right. That I cannot imagine the terror. Like there was nowhere for her to hide. There was nowhere uh, for them yeah. to go. No. No, and regardless of whatever
0: your feelings are about the fact that Kenneth Walker shot his weapon at them, it doesn't change the fact that Brianna Taylor was innocent. Completely innocent. Yeah. Uh and neither one of them, they searched the home. They didn't find anything in the home. So like there's nothing they can even pin on them. There's nothing to point to. Yeah. I think that that's what makes this verdict so Strange. So, um, you know, I, I got a lot of this information or pretty much all of this from an article, a very good article in the Associated Press. And one of their like headlines in the article was, why was no one charged with shooting Brianna Taylor? So um, Daniel Cameron, the AG, said that the fatal bullet was fired by Cosgrove, but added that Cosgrove and Mattingly were justified in their use of force because they were shot at first. Cameron said this, that state law, quote, bars us from seeking charges in Brianna Taylor death
1: it it makes no sense and yeah and it's in the actual court proceedings and in the papers there was no mention of Brianna she it was like she just didn't even matter and the thing that I was gonna mention earlier when you were talking about so he was um who's the main guy's name that got charged I don't have it written down uh it's Cosgrove right Hankinson. Hankinson. Okay, so he he was charged with two counts of wanted endangerment. Correct. For the apartment of Brianna's white neighbors. Right. But not for the black neighbors that lived upstairs. So there's something also that's just such this, like, dirty fuck you that the white people that were not harmed are being protected right now when the woman that literally dies in the hands of the law Mm -hmm. gets absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing. It makes, like, the disparities and the blatant racism in that is so clear. We knew this shit was
0: coming because they locked the city down before the verdict was read. Yes. As soon as that happened, I was like we're about to we're about to see some bullshit. Yeah. So they locked they locked the city down. Uh, uh, basically, they called in the National Guard and they enacted a curfew before the verdict was even read. So I knew that something was going to happen. And eventually the FBI came. Yeah, I mean, well, at this point now, we have, I think, two police have been shot Mm -hmm. uh, because there were protests last night. Yeah. They have already extended the curfew through the weekend. Like, it's, it's, I mean, and they had to have known that this was going to happen. Like, the thing that frustrates me is that they knew that this was going to happen and they would rather see their city burn and the country burn Then hold these people accountable. That's always what gets me is like, I'm like, you know, what's going to happen. Like, you know, what's going to happen. And you would rather allow your city to burn to the ground than make these people take responsibility for something that they did. But the thing is, is
1: that if if the protesters are the ones that burn the city to the ground, doesn't that just play into the narrative even more?
0: I mean, it it does, but, like, it, it all it's going to do is deepen the divide because we're sitting here and we're saying, like, if you're going to sit here and say Kenneth Walker shot first, well, in this situation, you shot first. Yeah. So you are responsible, not the protesters, if that's the logic that we're going to use. Right. Like, what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, um, there will likely not be any more charges. Daniel Cameron has already said that there's likely not to be any further criminal charges. Um, Lawyers for Taylor's family really wanted a minimum of manslaughter charges. But Cameron said, well, the grand jury walked away knowing all of the evidence, and this was a decision that they made, so we're not going back on this. But there are federal officials who are continuing to investigate whether the officers committed any civil rights violations. So I suppose we could see some kind of result from that, but it's not at all going to be
1: well, enough, Like, yeah. it's just not
0: going to be enough. It's, uh,
1: yeah. It, the day that we actually see cops get the sentences that they deserve for the murders they commit, I can't imagine what that day would be like. Like that- It's not going to be a consistent through line. I mean, someone
0: did point out, like, there was a white woman who was shot by cops a few years ago, and that shit was handled real quick. Of course it was. Uh, she, she was shot and killed by police, and that was handled really quickly. So it's not as though... It doesn't happen. Uh, But there will not be any consistency until we completely change the system like the system has to change. Like if the system remains the way it is and there is the ability for people to get off like they're going to. And we have to keep in mind as well that like police and prosecutors work very closely together yeah. they have personal relationships with each other so you think they're going to want to convict someone who they know who they've been to their house for a barbecue who their kids play together yeah, like no. exactly
1: there's there's so much politics involved and i think that's that's the reason why it's been so upsetting to me is that for the system to change there has to be radical changes in our government and right now it seems like we're just going in the opposite direction and that's what's No, I mean we're fucked.
0: I mean yeah. not that I want to be like really dis- like depressing or anything like that but I'm kind of
1: fucked either way. Genuinely
0: right now. scared. I'm genuinely scared for what's going to happen in November. It's genuinely so. scary. So along those lines, let's touch on this um, before we end our episode. So we recorded last thursday and then ruth bader ginsburg passed away the next day last friday so a week ago by the time this episode comes out so we did want to just kind of honor her pay tribute to her so she passed away on september 18th um at the age of 87 from complications of metastatic pancreatic cancer Mm -hmm. and this was i mean again i i don't feel like i felt the same kind of weight that other people felt because i was just like well one of course and then two she's 87 years old and it's kind of fucked up that she had to hold on i know for this long anyway
1: i mean to uphold our democracy yeah (laughs) i mean we were pulling for her i mean how many times have we said girl hang on as long as you can yes and And she she did she did i mean she really did she tried as much as she could and fought i mean what a fighter in her life and such a strong wonderful woman and we did you know we made a post about her on our instagram and somebody did mention that you know she did a lot of great things for white women and like of course there are going to be downfalls in everybody but i do believe that rbg was somebody that was a great um like, inspiration for people who wanted to be able to be on the Supreme Court, no matter who they well, were. And you know what I mean? E- here's the thing. Nobody is
0: perfect. Yeah. Nobody is perfect. And, yes, I know that that sounds so hollow, given that specifically some of the things that she... Some of the decisions she made as a justice in particular had negative effects Um, And impacts on the Native American community and things like that. And so it feels hollow and and empty to say, well, no one's perfect when talking about something like that. But it is the truth where if you examine any judge's record, you are going to find something in that record that does not line up with your ideological views. Right. uh, That you oppose. I mean, it is just kind of the way it is when you're in a career where your career is all about making massive decisions for giant groups of people. Yeah,
1: well, I was going to say, and the thing is that she's not alone in the decision making process either. You know, there's a lot of other factors that are going in. And of course, it's not excuse making, you know, things like that. But I wanted to bring that up because that was something I didn't even think about when I posted on Instagram. And somebody said something. So I did want to at least like make that, on that statement that we know that like she wasn't perfect. But she also did so many wonderful things. And not only that, she was upholding those things for us. She was this glue that was kind of keeping our hope together on so many things. And I think that's why I went into such a state of panic. I want to thank... AOC for helping me get through that night her Instagram live like saved my life and she was so calming and reassuring um but I've still been in a state of panic I was well you have a right to be in a state of panic not to like not to again be all like doom and gloom Trump is determined to get his pick onto the Supreme Court while he is still president, which... Well, and he probably
0: will do it. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. He he, he, he probably will do he it. He probably because- will. And the woman that he is looking at very closely... <laughs> She's a goddamn nightmare. ...is a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. So he wants this woman named Amy Coney Barrett to, to join the Supreme Court. She is the director of youth ministry at St. Joseph's Church... Tr- Which is just great for that whole separation of church and state exactly. thing that we're trying to do in this country. <laughs> she is strictly against abortion. Well, she's Catholic. Like, Well, uh, is she Catholic? I believe yeah, she's okay. Catholic. Because there was also another woman, Barbara Lagoa, that he was like, I think people were pushing for her. He's not going to pick her, I don't think.
0: Amy Barrett's brand of Christianity should scare all of you. Yeah, it's frightening. she belongs to a group that was previously known as Heads and Handmaids. Heads and Handmaids? Not kidding. I'm not kidding. So Margaret Atwood actually took some of her inspiration from this group that Amy Barrett belongs to. Uh, They have changed their name since The Handmaid's Tale came out because of the negative attention that they got from that. But basically, it's the same kind of principles where your husband is in charge, makes your decisions for you, and that they have young women that they bring in to mentor, basically, like, under the husband's, like, leadership. So it's incredibly scary. This is not someone we want on the Supreme Court. Yeah, and it's really
1: creepy because Trump even said... I've been saving her for Ginsburg. Which I'm like... It's disgusting. You were waiting for a woman to die? Like, No, fuck he's a piece of shit.
0: Like, he's a terrible person. Ugh. I mean, and Ginsburg knew that what was going to happen. Like, she, she was very aware of what was to come. She dictated this statement to her granddaughter before she died. She said, My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. And she had very good reason to be worried because... Should, you know, should Ginsburg be replaced by a conservative judge, there will be no way for Roberts, John Roberts, who is currently the um, chief justice. Mm -hmm. He is usually like the deciding vote if there's like some kind of tie. And he's kind of gone both ways like he is a consistently Conservative judge like his record Is conservative but he has split With conservatives on important Issues like even yeah. just this year He's cast his vote with liberals For um, to protect at least Temporarily the dreamers from deportation To uphold major abortion Precedent to uphold bans Of large church gatherings etc cetera, Etc cetera. Yeah. and should there Be another conservative judge on The Supreme Court he Will not be able to do that like, they will have such a majority that it won't really matter <laughs> what he votes. Yeah. So it's very scary. And it's massively hypocritical because, you know, Senate leader Mitch McConnell in 2016, he took an unprecedented step at that time by refusing for nearly a year, it was something like nine months, Mm -hmm. uh, any consideration of President Barack Obama's Supreme Court nominee. So back then, Barack Obama was, uh, someone died, Neil Gorsuch? No, somebody. I don't remember. Somebody died. At that time, and Obama was nine months out from the election, and wanted to replace him. Nine months is quite a long time, yeah. but they said this is a lame duck uh, a lame duck presidency. We are not going to replace him until there is a new um, president right. in office. Which I think so is that's what they said. That's
1: what is kind of, and this is the thing is that. There are like I feel like there's been this like status quo with our country for so long, like with you know the president leaves on January twenty first and then new come, one comes in or like you know there's just these things that are set in place where I feel like Trump is just kind of like, but I can move that around, right? Like that doesn't have to be that way because no, he doesn't care. Yeah, because yeah. like that was just understood at that time. Like it wasn't like he Obama tried to like fight well, but it, it. You know, it wasn't under no, but they did.
0: I mean, they did oh, try I, and I don't fight don't remember it. That sorry no it's okay but like yeah they did try and fight it like because they were like he's here for another nine months you just want this seat to sit empty for almost a year right so they did try and fight it but whenever it became clear that they weren't going to be able to because all of the republicans were like nah we're not doing that they were they backed down and they were like okay they accepted it because that's what adults do uh but Unfortunately, McConnell has been completely hypocritical this time and has said that he will try to immediately push through Trump's nominee, even though we have, what, like a month and a couple of weeks until the election? I know. So it's wild. It's just the hypocrisy is wild. And the only thing that I can think of is that they know they're doing all this shady shit because they know that if it was down to the actual numbers in this country, they would fail. Yeah, like,
1: well it's interesting the, um, I was reading that 61% of Americans favor legal access to abortion which is the highest it's been in decades so that's the and that was the thing that AOC made me feel so much better about too is that we do have the numbers. We have the numbers. The thing that we need to keep enforcing is for people to actually vote. And the reason that everything seems so overwhelming as well is because the people on Trump's side are so much louder. And they're everywhere. Like they're in every Instagram photo. They're in Twitter. They're everywhere. Well, it's also bots. There's also bots. Yeah. Oh, totally. Exactly. Well, but but there's still but it's still everywhere. People are still seeing right. it everywhere where you don't have Biden supporters going onto Trump people's Instagram pages filling them with Well, that's cuz people are not excited about Biden. That's again the DNC's fault, but, right. but
0: I that's mean, a story for another day. Right.
1: But it's not but there's a difference in the way that the the presidency is being pushed. So they they appear to be vaster in numbers because of how loud they are but they could still be vaster in numbers if people don't actually go out and vote like that's still well, because is something that the, the, the shit situation out of me. is even if
0: people go and vote if it's not a landslide victory Trump has already said himself that he's not going to accept it Well yeah it. he said so, that if
1: you that we should get rid of the ballots and that he would just stay there like it just I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm so uh, mad that I want to walk to Washington and punch him in the face.
0: We're, we're slipping into um, authoritarianism. We're slipping into a dictatorship. Yeah. It's happening right in front of our eyes. And it shocks me that the people who claim to be the most patriotic are the ones who are destroying facilitating our it and a-
1: allowing it to happen. Well, it's insane. And so, like, Max decided to, like, look into moving to Canada because, like, why not? But apparently we can't even move to Canada because we don't have any skills they would want Fuck. Right. I'm yeah, no, stuck it's not here. as easy.
0: It's not as easy as you would I'm think stuck. it is. Like the the one thing that I've thought is like, all right, well my brother lives in London, so I'm just gonna go for an extended vacation and not come back. That's a great just
1: be idea.
0: An illegal immigrant in London, um, work under the table and whatnot. Well now you've already well,
1: blown your covers, we're gonna be looking for I you. Mean, <laughs> What are they going to do? The FBI is going to find this in four years when they can't find Keegan. They already know. They're listening all the time. (laughs) They already know. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm glad we got through that. Um... It's, it's been emotionally taxing, and I just want to say I really hope that everybody listening is doing okay and taking care of themselves and, you know, also doing what needs to be done to advocate for the sake of our country, but also making sure that you are checking in with yourselves and um, practicing self-care, meditating, whatever it is that you need to do to ensure that you are caring for yourself enough to carry us through this fight that we have that is not going to end anytime soon. So, you know, like we've been saying, let's keep up the momentum as well as we can because we really need everybody's fight in us. So keep continuing to be well, please, everybody. Um, if you would like to contact us in any way, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist and follow us there. You can also follow us on Twitter. We sometimes use it at Yamp Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. Go ahead onto that business page and rate and review us. You can also go on the group page and chat with the other listeners. They're really nice, I promise. Uh, let's see, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, we appreciate it so much, it is the number one way that you can support this show, and we are so appreciative for it, you will be featured on our Instagram for Reviews Day Tuesday when you leave us a review and last but not least, go ahead and try out that Radio Public app, it is a free way for you to listen to us, and it helps us just a little bit All right. with all that being said we encourage you to rage rage on, on. Bye. bye